Hello. Oh, your voice still sounds good, even though I'm sure your teeth are sad. Yeah, yeah, no, my um, my right molar, I don't know, whatever. It hurts, but it's fine. <sighs> Boo. Yeah, no, I had a toothache. I mean, I don't even know what a root canal is, just to be really honest. <laughs> no, All I know is it's painful. <laughs> so basically, they look in your tooth and they're like, oh, this cavity is really bad. And oh. um, and and so they extract the root from the tooth and <sighs> they um, uh, uh, basically squeeze in some other stuff to to make it fine. And then they put a crown on it. I don't have a crown on right now. I have a temporary. But basically, oh, it's God, kind of like... that sounds horrible. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of drilling. They numb you up. It was uh, fine. What was actually sort uh, of interesting was that I could kind of watch what was happening because there was like a mirror above me like while i'm in the chair and so i could kind of why see what was happening i don't know it was sort of interesting um i mean it was i was kind of like huh okay so this is what he's doing for me it was it was more interesting to kind of look at and and i hope no one listening is is grossed up by this it was kind of interesting to see um like you know obviously dentists have to work very precisely um in very small spaces and just to kind of see I mean, obviously everything was magnified, but you know, my my mouth's not that big. My tooth, you know, even though it's a molar, it isn't that large. Mm-hmm. And to just kind of see the sort of precision that's involved in having to kind of you know do this stuff, it kind of in a weird way reminded me of working on electronics, like really yeah. small electronics. Oh, totally. so it's kind of yeah, I totally see the the similarity. Actually, yeah, I've always so, oh wondered goodness. how they do that. Besides mirrors and years of practice, but it just seems wild. You can't get into a yeah. mouth any other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm just freaked out for you, but I'm glad you're okay. Are you on any drugs? That's the main question I have today. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, they, they 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 gave me like some uh some some codeine or whatever, like some some yeah, basically like the basically like the you know super strength Tylenol. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on that, yeah. and that's fine. Okay, good. This means it's gonna be a good show. Thank I've you had for four the disclosure, Christina. So. <laughs> I've had a lot of sleep, and then yeah, and, I mean, and I've had drunk Christina on the show. I we think have. this is the first appearance of high Christina. Oh, but I'm so. not high though. But I'm not high. Sadly, I wish I was. I will let you guys know. No, I'm. I'm just. No, I'm not high. I wish I was. But oh, yeah, I've had drunk Christina. This is high Christina. I'll let you know. But no, this this is just more like not in in pain. But you know, whatever. So. Hi, Christina was the one who emailed who who texted you guys. Sorry from my when, Apple wait, Watch. What, remind me of that. That was yesterday when when I was like tapping on my Apple Watch. Oh, okay, that makes sense. All right, yeah, because they drugged me. They like truly, they, like, truly gave me up. the they gave me the numb stuff and they gave me some other stuff and like I felt the gas and I was like, <laughs> and on that note, oh. yeah, hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Magic. I'm Simone Rochefort, video producer for Polygon.com. And I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I promise I won't make a big deal out of that next time I say it. <laughs> no, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, here's Okay, so here's a little insight into my process. Every time I say your name second with a notable pause, it's because I'm opening the document. So where where I have your title written down, I'm like, okay, I know Bree's title. I've got that one. That one doesn't change. And then I open the document and I'm like, senior cloud developer advocate. Yep, I definitely remember what Christina's job is always. 
not to reveal too much about my process. But it's getting shorter. The number of like, it's every time Christina gets a new job, like it's becoming shorter the amount of time you lose it. So you learn it. Rather. This is true. So, yeah. The, a series yeah. of, uh, what's it called? Um, something Returns. Uh, when things Batman get... Batman Returns? What? Well... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh God, no! I'll, I'll I'll think of it while we're going on. But whatever, let's get into the show. Uh, All so right. The first thing we're going to talk about today is, of course, a, a topic very close to both of your hearts, which is hacking the <laughs> crap out of your SNES minis. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so good! You've I am both not done it. Lie. I have spent so much time this week fracking with my SNES when I needed to be doing political diminishing returns and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. what I, th- I was um, thinking of. Sorry, where Christina's job positions get clicker and quicker. <laughs> Going on. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you know, the thing is with the last one, there's a very specific uh, program called HackChi. Uh, Hackchi 2, and uh, this existed with the NES, where you could, like, um, hack the games inside of it. Uh, So just to back up a little bit, when Nintendo made the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, they wrote their own emulator called Canoe. And, you know, there have been a lot of really brilliant people out there working on, you know, game emulators. But the consensus is Canoe is actually the best SNES and NES emulator out there. There's no input lag. But the problem is it doesn't always work really well with games later in the SNES's life when they started adding custom chips to it. So the situation is uh, they put out HackChi 2.2, and it does support the SNES. Uh, it works with like 70% of games out there. But um, if you want to get really deep and get games like Super Street Fighter or Super Street Fighter 2 Alpha working, uh, you're really going to have to mess around. But Christina, I'm curious what your experience was with it. So my experience was actually really positive. So it was funny because when the NES Classic came out, obviously people immediately did teardowns and realized it was just a tiny little Linux computer. And like you said, you know, immediately people started trying to figure out how can we uh, hack into this thing, and and so there was you know cluster, and then uh, Hackshe is, is is the front end, um, like like you were saying for people to kind of you know modify this stuff and and get it to run kind of existing um, ROMs for games, but the process at least early on seemed tr- ridiculously complicated, and I was you know because of how hard the the NES Classic especially was to get a hold of, I was just like I'm not going to risk bricking my precious um, <laughs> your to little do this. baby. <laughs> Well, and, 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 and at the same time, I had written the whole guide about how to, you know, build your own mini, you know, um, Super Nintendo, you know, using a Raspberry Pi and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll just leave this alone. But I had, so I'll be honest, I hadn't paid attention to the fact that the the front end had become really, really good. And it wasn't until you were telling me last week that, that it was easy that I started to look into it more. And then this week with the Hackshi 2, um, 2.2 release, the 2.0 and then the, then the 2.2 release, I was like, Oh, you know, people were saying how easy it was and, and how good it was. And and my friend Brian um, at uh, at Gizmodo, um, who who wrote the the Gizmodo review of the um, mini SNES, he did it, and he was like, he was like, dude, I'm so not technical, and I I was able to to, to get this up and running, and it was fine. Um, that I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, you know what, this looks really cool, even with the caveats like you were saying with, you know, some of the games not working correctly. Um, I have to say, like. They've just done a tremendous job with the front end and also with, yep. uh, you know, all the stuff happening on the back end. And I just I love this so much. The community kind of behind 
it and getting everything, um, uh, you know, working. Because like you were saying, you know, there have been a bajillion different emulators over the years. Um, uh, my friend uh, Ernie wrote fantastic history for uh, Motherboard on um, Nesticle, um, like the very first NES and then Super Nintendo emulator from like the 90s. And, the worst you know, name people, ever, by the way. Worst <laughs> name oh, ever. totally. But, but also, yes, the icon but, but, drips as you're like using the cursor. It does. It, like, but, oh my god. Yeah. But but, but it was Ugh. so good. You know. I mean, like I remember yeah. using that like in 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 my computer programming class in high school and stuff. And and um. But you know, these things have been around for a long time. But you're right. Like Nintendo actually did a really good job with their emulator, and so it's been really interesting to see people kind of taking advantage of that. And then even what I think is so interesting is like even with as, as little memory as there is for extra games and stuff, you know, like creating versions of RetroArch, uh, which is um, an, a, a Linux distribution that's um, optimized for emulation um, to, to work with the back end or, you know, work with the with, work with it so that you can put on other emulators if you wanted to, or in this case, I, I assume this is what you had to do for, for, for the Super Street Fighter 2 um, was, no, was you had no, to... I did not, and I did not enable Retro Arch because the thing is ah. with fighting games, the input lag matters like a lot. Yeah, and no, Retro Arch does. is just it's 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 good, but it's not great. And I just don't like. There's no. I already have a Retro Pie which runs Retro Arch. Yeah, you know, I want the perfect emulation. No, I don't blame it. you. Okay, so, so, so is yeah. that really the sort of thing that would make it hard to play that on your on a an HD TV? If you enable that, what's the question? Because um, uh, RetroArch, no, that wouldn't affect okay. it at all. Just because I know there are a lot of problems with playing those old games like Punch Out and stuff on HD TVs as opposed to CRTs, and yeah, I was well, wondering can, how well, it's going to force it into twelve eighty by you know nine seventy mode or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's not going to matter. You just yeah, I was going to say that, that that's screen. basically what yeah. you do is you have to kind of reduce yeah. the, the resolution or and, and the refresh if you can on your TV, but um. No, I, I thought the process was remarkably easy, but I want to hear what you did, Bree, because I was kind of looking into the whole thing, and then frankly, I kind of got you know busy with some other stuff, so I had I didn't have a chance to do it. But like, <laughs> like your root canal, nerd, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. N- nerd out with us though, because I'm really curious, like, what you had to go through to get um to get Super Street Fighter uh, to um, working. So you know, one of the and we'll talk about like Charles sending both of us to Super Famicom oh, uh, in so a bit because I have a lot to say about that. But Me one of the too. reasons I wanted the Super Famicom so much is it has Super Street Fighter on it. Um, you know, the SNES for America has uh, Street Fighter Two Turbo, which is my it, favorite. Which is a good. It, it's a good game. But, you know, with all um, twelve fighters, there's only one woman, Chun Li. Yeah, and, you don't have Cammy. Uh, you know, yeah. It's it's Cammy's not in it, and Cammy is my main. So no, I, I'm uh, with you. her her backstory. Let me just say, sorry to interrupt, but but especially with everything yeah. that's like happened this week with Harvey Weinstein and all that stuff, the backstory yeah. that they share with her, you know, the end about like what what M Bison like did to her and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like I yeah. remember being like really young, like in elementary school, and playing that game and just being like, holy expletive! You know, Cammy's a right. badass. Right. Right. Sorry. No, go that's on. It. No, you're dead on. Uh, the problem is with Super Street Fighter 2, she's the weakest character literally in the entire game. So uh-huh. it's not the best version of Cammy. But if you could kick butt with that version of Cammy and then you go play Super Street Fighter 4 or Street Fighter you know, 5, like you're just going to destroy. So, uh, But my point is I really want Street Fighter, uh, Super Street Fighter to work because that is my NES game that I love. And uh, – 
you, know, you like you said, you get hyper deep into it. So Super Street Fighter doesn't have any of the specialized chips inside of it. But if you want that ROM to work, what you have to do is hold, if you're emulating uh, Windows through your Mac, this is really important. You have to hold Control and then the Alt key on the right side of the computer. That's really important because it doesn't work with the one on the left. So Control, Alt on the right side, and E. And you can change a lot of the SSIDs along with it. So if you change that number from 3414, Four, I think it is to zero 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 zero. Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter, amazingly will run. It's pixel perfect, and it, it's just absolutely brilliant. The harder game to get running was uh, Street Fighter Two Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that was Japanese only, wasn't it? Uh, no, no. There's an American version, but it came out in 1996, which was when oh, you know, PlayStation was going full bore. Ooh. I was so going to say, I, remember, I remembered Super Street Fighter 2, the first one with Cammy. That was known as uh, the, the CE version, and Genesis yep. was the equivalent, right? But I didn't remember no, that Alpha no, ever that's came turbo. out. That's Turbo. That's Turbo. That's Turbo. No, 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 well, yeah. well, there was a Genesis version that had Cammy. And, and, uh, yeah, that's Super Street Fighter. So, yeah, I know, but, but they call it something different. Yeah. Well, they call it something different. Huh. I think for some reason, I think the Genesis version was the championship edition, in it, but and it had Cami, and then and then Super Street Fighter had Cami in the U.S. Anyway, I might be. I wrong can't even that. keep when I I did the uh, video for Street Fighter's anniversary, and I I was like, okay, I'll I'll just do like every you know I'll show a clip of every Street Fighter game, and then I was like, no. uh, every single Street Fighter game has been released under a different name five totally. times, and that's why there are 5,000 of them. But go on. But, but they all <laughs> have but, a lot of different, like, if you really love Street Fighter, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been playing all Street different Fighter enough. for 30 freaking years, <laughs> literally. <Crazy>. So, <laughs> like, you have strong feelings about every one of those oh, God. releases. I've, I've, I've been playing it for, yeah. for, for, like, 22 years. Oh, my God. <sighs> no, oh, my God. No, I've been playing it for, like, 25 years. Oh, my God. Stop. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> I've been playing it for as long as Simone's been alive. This is really upsetting oh, to me now. <laughs> and that's Street Fighter 2, okay? Like, I, I never played the original yeah. Street Fighter. Oh, my I God. I only played it once in an arcade at, a, at a, like, a, a water slide. And as I was playing it, it was shocking me because they so had, bad. Like, you're soaking wet oh, as no. you're playing it. It would shock oh, that's me. that's so good. And I dealt with the pain anyway because it was Street Fighter 1. Um, but anyway, I'm digressing. Uh, so with Ken Super... Uh, I'm sorry. With, I'm sorry, I believe we can. Uh, <laughs> so, so to go through and get Street Fighter 2 Alpha working, this was a really, really big um, endeavor. So the problem is later games on the SNES had a lot of um, specialized chips yeah. embedded in them. And obviously Nintendo hasn't uh, put it out there for people to... Like, they're obviously not going to help you pirate games and, like, add this to Canoe. So the problem is uh, Street Fighter Two Alpha had so much sprite data that they had to actually build the SS1 chip into the cartridge that would decompress all the sprites on the fly. This is why even the NES, the SNES version of it, just when it was running on original hardware, got really bad reviews because it has load times from waiting on that chip to catch up. Um so what uh, this guy out there, this a VR developer, he wrote like a patch that goes through and alters all the PCM audio and like, go, I could get like super geeky with this. But basically, uh, if you go out there and you search for Dark Akuma uh, and Street Fighter 2 Alpha, 
uh, you can find like his video of how he uh, has altered this. So you get your own ROM and you suck it into your computer and then like you run these various patches on the game and then it will like extract this and alter the PCM audio for it. And then that will work even though it's still just as unplayable as the <laughs> SNES version of it. But it makes you feel so awesome for having accomplished it. Oh my God. God. No, that's so cool. No, I love that. Um, it, there were, it, but it's interesting though what what games work and which ones don't. And I have to again give the Hackshi uh, 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 guy uh, a huge shout out because they they put in. I mean, obviously the community kind of tested the games, but they have. If you try to upload those games to the front end, it'll tell you you know, that it's having problems. Um, but there's some of the games that are older, you know, like ActRaiser 2, there's some of them that that I don't think use the specialized chips that have issues. And so it's interesting to see which ones are problematic and which ones aren't. Um, like even one of them was like the Home Alone game. Home Alone 2 is fine, but Home Alone has issues. Now, let's be very clear. Both of those games are abysmal. Um, I had Home Alone 2 for the for, for the Nintendo um, and I, I'd rented both of those, but those are like, like, peak bad like uh uh you know like uh, uh licensed games um i i would love to actually write a blog post for someone about the the best uh meaning worst um uh, licensed <laughs> movie games for for the nes and oh super nintendo God. because so oh many of them God. were terrible um oh. but, but yeah but it was it's interesting hudson to look hawk. at that thing do you remember hudson oh, hawk yeah oh hudson God. hawk god there was a there, there was a a dirty hairy game for the nintendo that was really bad so bad um, so bad yeah, no, there have been so many of them. Oh, God, oh, this is even post like industry collapse in 1983. Oh, yeah. oh exactly. My and gosh. you, you, you would think that they would know yeah. better. They absolutely didn't. Lawnmower, <laughs> um, Lawnmower Man was really, really bad. Um, there's some, there's some really good ones that that um that I have that I've played before. But anyway, um, one only note for for our listeners: if you do want to use Hackshi, uh, it is a Windows app, so you're going to need to use Windows. Um, I don't know if anybody installer though. They have a web installer. I've not used it, so I can't vouch for it. Uh, The forums say very mixed things, but yeah, there it is. It's windows, which I mean, you know, that's fine. Um, Somebody, you know, if there's enough uh, demand, I guess somebody might create a Mac uh, thing. I I have to say though, it's a really good app. Like it'll even, you know, download, you know, the artwork for you. You can do custom backgrounds. Like it's, it's really robust, and you, if you want to restore um, your your um, Famicom or, 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 or Super Nintendo Classic or, or whatever to stock, you can do that too. Just like you were telling me last week, but I, I was just so impressed with how how cool it is. And and the number one reason to do it is so you can like hit select and down and go I was back to the say, reset well, menu. This, this, well, this this is where this is why I was confused last week because when you were like, oh no, it's built into it, I'm like. No, it's not, and 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 I think what had happened is that you'd enabled Hackshi on your on your NES and just got used to that because. Yeah. But you're dead on, like, and it's funny too because the um the retro uh the eight bit dough um controller the uh the the uh, Nico ones or Nico ones don't do this, but the eight bit dough controllers actually have that built into them if you use their Bluetooth controllers with huh. the NES Classic Edition. That was where I first saw that. And I think actually that came out before they even had, you know, um, a, you know, a Hackshi or, or any of those front ends were even done. Because um, I had that when they sent it to me like like December um, or, or late November of, of, of 2016. So, um, but yeah, so it, it's interesting though that, that, that you're dead on. Like even if you don't care about adding more games, even if you don't care about like having Chrono Trigger or Illusions of Gaia or, or, you know, Super Street Fighter 2 Alpha or whatever on your system, um, being able to, to easily 
get back to the home screen without having to uh, hit the button is like the main reason I would do it. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. And you can enter (laughs) offer code Rocket at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. See, my segue was going to be good because Christina was talking about custom backgrounds. And I was like, you know where you can add a custom background is your Squarespace website. And you can also make your next move with Squarespace, which lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whether you're creating an online store, a portfolio, or a blog, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do exactly that. With nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, you won't need to hack Squarespace like you're hacking your Super Nintendo. You don't have to worry about it. You don't even have to know anything. Squarespace has it all covered, and they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. And if you are the sort of get-your-hands-dirty-mess-around-with-the-code person, you can do that on your Squarespace site as well. It's totally customizable. They let you quickly and easily grab a domain name, and they have a bunch of beautiful award-winning templates so that you can show off your great ideas. Uh, I am a, a Squarespace user and I always enjoy messing around with my website, just using like their built-in tools to do it. I have not delved into the code yet um, until Brianna gives me elite hacker lessons, but I, I yeah. really enjoy I changed all my fonts the other week. I think I talked about this last week. I talked about changing all my fonts. I'm obsessed with tweaking it. it. Uh, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, uh, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And then when you decide to sign up, you can use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Show your support for ROCKET and RelayFM. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace is the so best. So I'm not done talking about the SNES. Oh, before. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not surprised. But I know, no, 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 I'm happy. More. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, so like as far as the reset function with it, it is so necessary for Earthbound, uh, mm-hmm. which is a really hardcore game. And thank you, Yay! Christina, for introducing yeah. me to this game, which is so good. I mean, especially because the baseball playoffs are on and Frank is watching them, <laughs> so I need something to do. But like, I brought a second TV out to my living room, so it's like baseball's on one and then I'm leveling Earthbound on the other. But this Yay. game, it has it all. It has a cult that travels the world. Yeah. Trying to paint things blue. blue. Mm-hmm. It has like two dueling kid genius inventors. <laughs> it has enemies the size of a pixel that oh my like God. walk up to you and swarm you. It is so genius. Oh my goodness. Uh, once I'm done with, I won't. I probably won't even be able to think about playing it until Game of the Year stuff is over. I say, having yeah. again fallen back into Overwatch last night. But I'm so excited. I wonder if they're going to... I know Earthbound has like a long history of not being released and translated, etc. Or at least the sequel to it did. But I wonder if they're going to bring that to the the Switch. Because the situation you're describing, Brianna, of bringing out another TV to play while Frank watches TV is like, that's why Secret of Mana is going to be on the friggin' Switch. Yeah, well, and I mean, it would be perfect on the Switch. It was interesting because the Wii U got it. Um, and it was the very first time that the, the, the Earthbound came to Virtual Console was on the Wii U. And then they brought it to the 3DS. Um, and and yeah, I hope that once they do start to bring you know stuff to the Switch, I, I mean, if Earthbound's not one of the first ones they do, that would be ridiculous. Just knowing the cult yep. history. And it's, it's I don't know, I, I talked about this last week, but I'll just say again, like as someone who was legit bought it like the week it came out, 
so I've, you know, I, I'm not a hardcore fan. Like there are plenty of people who are way more hardcore than me. I'm not claiming that, but I am going to claim like I'm one of the few people who didn't discover it like through emulators, you know, mm-hmm. like I read about it in Nintendo Power and and loved the idea and spent my $60 or whatever when I was 12 years old. It was old, like a fortune at the time. 80, whatever. Well, it might have been 80. I spent whatever it cost when I was when I was 12 years old that summer and just like fell in love with it. It's it's so interesting to see finally, you know, people actively talking about as as they should how it's like one of the greatest games. Um, and, and, but I think that the switch would be like a great way to get it into more people's hands. Um, and yeah. honestly what they should do, you know, the fan translation I think is nearly perfect. Just freaking pay those people or just, they have a whole translation team actually do kind of what they did with Star Fox to bring the sequel mm-hmm. to, yeah. you know, the, the, bring it out because, because it came out to the GBA. So, you know, basically the same thing as the SNES, you know, almost identical, um, fans meticulously translated it, um, you know, a decade ago, but, but freaking, you know, bring the official translation over. That would be, you could charge, they could charge so much money for that or they, they could, could. Make it, or they could even, you know what they could do? And this would be genius. They could make it like an exclusive. If you subscribe to the stupid Nintendo online service, like that's oh the only way you can get it. Oh my God. I People would, would be would so furious. It. Oh, they would, but, but they, they would, would do it. totally do it. Oh my God. Wow. Okay, so the last thing to say before we move on, because I know Simone's like rolling her eyes us talking about this for this long. Uh, but uh, I do because like uh, our favorite rocket listener, like we yeah. love all of you, but Charles. We do, Tim but Charles is, is the best. Favorite. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best. Uh, he sent uh, he sent us uh, the Super Famicom, the Japanese version oh, of it. So good. And I I am really surprised. Like a, it's better looking hardware. Yes, it is. But b, the the games are on it are a big step up from the American uh, games. Like it just has a better selection. Like it's got the core games like the Mario and you know Super Mario. Um, you know the one with Yoshi on the island, yeah. and Baby Mario. It's got all of those. But it comes with Japanese Super Street Fighter built in. Uh, it's got like the original version of Tetris Attack on it, which is a mm-hmm. really really good Tetris variant. Wow. Uh, so I I'm going to call it the better system. Like if you can only get an SNES or the other, uh, I would say get this. Assuming that you uh, like are okay with uploading the English versions of the Final Fantasy, so you can actually. I was going to say, them. yeah, I was going to yeah. say that's the only that's the only the only challenge. And there's no Earthbound, of course. Uh, they didn't bring yep. Mother uh, to over. Um, but again, like, it, 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 I mean, I don't speak Japanese. I wish that I did, but I don't. So the RPGs. That's the only disappointing part is that like I love it. I'm with you. I think the system looks so much better. Um, but uh it's just uh uh yeah but the, the game quality is is good and it's interesting cuz um Charles also last year sent me the 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 mini uh uh, uh Famicom the original Nintendo yep, me too. and that yep. yeah it, because he's the best and that's super cute but that one the problem was that the controllers literally there was no way to uh extend them like they were attached to the system just like they were on the original hmm. and so that's one of those situations where like you genuinely have to like have a super long HDMI cable if you want to use it um, and, I and took now, it apart and soldered a Bluetooth chip into <laughs> the line. Of course you so did. So I can use my 8-bit do uh, controller Of course with you did. It. But I just I just want Charles to know, like, the fate of this is it's now, the Super Famicom is in my office, and I dropped, we're going to have a link to this in the show notes, about how to enable CPS2 games 
on your SNES Classic. Ooh. So you can run like all these arcade versions of Alien vs. Predator or like all the original Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2 games. All of those will run. And so now I have like my SNES at home on my TV and then my campaign office, I have the Super Famicom where we can play after hours, like all these original games. So thank you, Charles. Thank you so much, Charles. It's so cool. You're in a golden age of (laughs) the classics right now. All right. Another huge thing that happened this week besides Brianna and Christina tearing their SNES classics to bits. Uh, was the Oculus Connect conference mm-hmm. uh, where they announced or they, they showed a prototype of the Oculus Santa Cruz, codenamed Santa Cruz headset, uh, which I believe they announced last year, and then also showed a headset called Oculus Go, which is basically it, it, it has been described as somewhere in between a full headset and what Samsung is doing with the gear, except that you don't put your phone in it. It actually has a computer in it and it's a more affordable, like less high quality version of the headset. So Oculus leaning hard with this move into making VR something that is not tethered to your ex- your thousand dollar gaming PC, which is very interesting. Uh, the Oculus Go is $199, and then the Santa Cruz, I, which is not, which will be coming out next year. I think it was $399 is the number that is coming to my head, but I'm going to double check that for y'all. What did you guys think of this? Uh, can I? Uh, yes, you can. Just I, say it. You just always say it. can. I, I think Oculus is not going to succeed. Um, I think it's proven to be a niche market, but. Yeah, the reality is, I don't think the problem is the headset as much as the problem is Windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like Windows, but it's just so freaking fidgety. I mean, every time I try to turn my Oculus on and it's been like more than a week or two, I know I'm going to spend like 30 minutes fracking with drivers and getting my camera set up just right. And um, I, I think they bungled the launch. But if you theoretically don't need to deal with that at all... Right. That's that's the thing. This 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 is a separate. I mean, this is basically from what I mean. They're saying that it's not, but basically how it reads is that this is, you know, kind of like the the um uh the Oculus uh uh what's what what do they call the Samsung one? The Gear VR. The Gear VR. It's, basi- uh, it's basically yeah, the, it's VR. basically the Gear VR, but without having to buy a separate phone. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it kind of no, feels like it's not attached to a TC or a PC. Wow, it's not attached to a PC, and there's no external camera tracking. So it it is different, but it does not require you to be plugged in. And rather than putting a phone in it, it's computers or, yeah. But I mean, my point is like they bungled the launch so badly. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to pick it back up. I think the steam is gone in this. So I think the steam is definitely gone. I definitely won't argue against that. But I'm, I'm very, and we, we've definitely seen that things like the, the gear VR have not, caught on in like a lightning fast way but i do i guess like what they're doing with this because the oculus has always been or at least since it came out the oculus has been my favorite of the vr headsets and i like that they're not giving up and that they are they're they're attacking these problems that i've always seen as huge barriers which are that Nobody freaking has a gaming PC in the space to set mm-hmm. up all these cables in their room. Like the removal of the cables is a is a good That's move a huge to me. Part. I don't know 
how people will respond to it, but they're they're addressing things that I think are big problems with making VR accessible. Yeah, no, I I agree with that too. My my only, I guess, you know, I look at this and I think it's interesting. I think being untethered is obviously going to have to be a huge part of all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the price point is is good too. Um, with that, they are kind of coming up against a little bit some of the the, the Windows mixed reality headsets um, that are that are getting super cheap and that don't they do require Windows, but they don't require um, a a super expensive computer. And and so. When you think about it, I, I, my biggest issue, I think, right now with with Oculus is that because when you look at like some of the mixed reality stuff in general, and, and Hololens is obviously part of that, but that's higher end. You at least see that there is kind of a an argument being made for different types of use cases and different types of of, of ways that you can kind of interact with stuff beyond just gaming. Whereas with Oculus, as much as Zuckerberg is trying to kind of push, oh, have conversations and, and chat in VR, you know, which feels very 1996 <laughs> to me, um, you know, there there haven't really been, and, and there's obviously been a filmmaking um, a movement, which is great, um, but but other than other than you know films, um, games have basically been kind of the primary focus. We haven't really had any other use cases. And mm-hmm. so I wonder even at a $200 price point even with it being untethered like if that's going to be enough for to convince anybody who's not, you know, really into gaming to want to pick it up. And I would think the people who are into gaming would be more interested in either, you know, a PlayStation VR or um, you know, maybe one of the the mixed reality things from Windows that might work with some, some Steam stuff or, you know, Frankly, just going full bore and 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 using it with their with their gaming PC. So I, I I'm still what I'm still missing. A I agree with both you guys that I think like the you know they've 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 missed you know the the hype cycle around this. So nobody really cares. But I just kind of wonder like, is there enough out there for people you know in in the VR space aside from gaming for people to even be that interested. I think that's a really good question. And um, Addie Robertson at The Verge did a piece that I read this morning specifically about how VR developers are dealing with the fact that the hype cycle has ended um, on on this hardware. And the quote that I, at, at the very end of it, that I kind of want to bring to you too, um, is this developer saying that many of the boots on the ground members of the industry have more measured expectations and I'll paraphrase, paraphrase, still believe in VR and are finding viable ways to earn money with it, despite the fact that the hype cycle is over, like they're still, they feel there's still momentum towards making it a more established um, industry. Do you both feel that that is fair to say, given that um, that the response has kind of the that the excitement around VR even in our niche has kind of died down. Do you basically do you think that that is company speak or do you think that that is a genuine belief of people working in VR? I I mean if you're going to like VR development is hard. Game yeah. development is hard. VR development is super hard mm-hmm. because like just technically like you're thinking about like where to focus <coughs> your draw calls. So I think you don't work in that space if you don't really believe in it. So okay. I, I I don't think it's just company speak. And I also think it's worth saying that like Ready Player One is about to come out. And that's, I oh, do that's, that's, that's great. 
I expect this to hype that up a little bit more. I guess it's just like I look at the really big projects like, um, you know, Robo Recall came out by Epic. This is a great this is a truly great VR game and no one has played it. Raw Data is a truly unbelievably great VR experience is as close to fighting and shooting. It's as close to being in the matrix as you can be like you're shooting robots, you're swinging swords. uh, You know, it's, it's really, really intense and no one has played that game. And I just, I, I, even if the hardware keeps proceeding, I don't understand how we get to a point where you have a a development ecosystem here, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. It is really, it's hard to see how it's going to all play out. I am still excited about uh, the, these new, these new prototypes because it's what I've been asking for, but even so, uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm probably even still not the the target market, I guess, for them. It's it's interesting. I've been doing a lot of research on Dragon's Lair recently, just for a a Facebook video, and this was a very uh, in retrospect bad game that came out hmm. in 1983, um, which basically was all quick time events. It was a fully animated, like hand drawn video game, but all you did was like do an input to move the the character one not even move the character to cue that you wanted to, the character to move one way and then either you would that a scene would play where he survived an encounter or a scene would play where he didn't survive the encounter um bad game but uh i've been watching a lot of the network news reels from the time about that game and they were so excited about it and it's it's interesting to me. I think it partly because it it was relatable to people who didn't play games. They could look at it and say that this look, this is real art. This isn't this pixel art that we don't understand. This is art that was drawn by Don Bluth, and therefore, I guess this must be a good game. And this is the future. I think to get people excited about VR again, I there there has to be. I feel like games as big as they are, are still too niche to make it work. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, something Ben Kuchera at Polygon said that I heard and I loved and I really agreed with was his favorite experiences on VR were all relaxation mm-hmm. uh, games that had you like floating through space or listening to music. I think that's dead on. So, um yeah, uh, I, I think that I, I think there's time for VR to write the ship, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is a good step towards it. But um, yeah, I think I think you're dead on. Just also want to say, uh, Space Ace is the superior Don Bluth game. <laughs> like it's better <laughs> Dragon Slayer one and two. So yeah. this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Magic. Yes, Magic. How many times have you been stuck with a task and wished you had someone to help? Maybe you need help with research, organizing an event, or you just want someone to order your groceries. But you know it would be ridiculous to go through the hiring process to hire one person just to help you with these one-off tasks. Well, you don't have to. Magic is a 24-7 text-based personal assistant, and it is the best way to accomplish more. Next time you're faced with a burdening task, you can send a text message to Magic, day or night, and a personal assistant will be there to help. 
With Magic, you can send your request, business or personal, and real people will do remote work to help you get it done. You might ask Magic to help with making hotel or dinner reservations, creating content for your blog, or even redesigning your living room. Whatever the project, big or small, Magic can help. Magic is available internationally, and your assistants are all college grads and full-time employees of Magic. If you want to see what life is like when you have an assistant, text ROCKET to 83489, and you can learn more about Magic by heading to getmagic.com. That's get, G-E-T, magic, M-A-G-I-C dot com. When you've got stuff that needs to be done and you don't have time to do it, magic can make that happen. Text rocket. Wait, hold on. What's yeah. that number again? Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm about to read it again. I'm, I'm about to it. tell okay, you great. that you're same, texting same. rocket, okay. R-O-C-K-E-T, to 83489 and try it now. I'm really excited. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. This is a really good idea. I know. I, know. I love Desperately. this. <laughs> I want people to do that things to me for right me. Now. Oh my god, that's so freaking cool. Speaking oh my of- god, it does it instantly. What you did? Holy it? crap! Wow. Yeah. What now did I you ask for? Can I ask what you asked for? Well, no. I texted and gives me the sign up link and a discount, and now I just have to tap this link and sign up. So, oh my god! Wow. Okay, I'm signing up for this right now. Oh, I'm so pumped. All right, now to talk about a thing that is not pumped and is in fact bad. Um, yes, we're going to talk about Harvey Real Weinstein bad. and the yeah. New York Times and New Yorker articles from this week, uh, which I I will admit I have not I've not fully read both of them because everything is depressing. But basically, uh, what has happened is that the New York Times did a, a long, long investigation uh, into a sexual uh, assault and harassment allegations against Harvey Weinstein, published them, and then the New Yorker followed up with um, speaking to people who were victims of him um, and just sharing their stories, which has led to Harvey Weinstein being fired and um Fleeing the country slash, quote unquote, going to uh, sex addiction therapy in oh, and his Europe. his wife him too. And his wife is divorcing him. Um, he's been fired. Uh, they want to rename the Weinstein Company, which is a, a big old cop out on the part of everyone on the board of that company. And a lot of people in the industry, in the uh, acting industry in Hollywood, are talking very openly about the power structures there that exist and have existed since the birth of Hollywood that make it very difficult for women to speak out about and women and men to speak out about sexual assault and the way that they're treated by people with power, which is a wonderful conversation to be happening in this hell year of 2017. But of course there are, I guess that there's a lot, there, there are a lot of threads to it. One of which is that, Harvey Weinstein was already kind of on his way out and this he is one person of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um, and he's the only one that is being punished for what he did at this specific moment in time. I feel like we could talk about this for 10 years. There's so oh, much well, to unpack. Well, we will be and we have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I mean... Is, what I think is really notable, though, and and I think that you, it, a lot of this, frankly, go, goes back to Ellen Powell, is that 
granted, like you said, you know, none of this exists in a vacuum. Um, and, and, and this really starts with, with, with women being brave enough to speak up about what's happening. And, and so you have people, you know, suing employers in high profile lawsuits. You have people like Susan Fowler calling out the, um, uh, sexist, uh, her, you know, treatment that she had, um, at, at Uber. You have, um, you know, the investigations into Roger Ailes and, um, uh, Bill O'Reilly that finally got them, you know, kicked out of, of, of Fox news. You have, um, the, uh, after, you know, the document, there had been documented stuff against, against Bill Cosby for years, but, but finally, you know, uh, the names and, and, and the, the, the New York magazine article naming, um, the, the people who, you know, uh, alleged that, that he had, um, you know, assaulted, um, them coming forward finally presents a place where, where people can talk about what had kind of been, I think calling it an open secret is unfair because I think that that assumes that everyone knew the extent um, that the secret was was as bad as things are. But I think it's definitely true that there have been rumors and kind of an understanding that this guy was was a creep. And because of his position of power, because uh, of, of the um, uh, of how powerful he was and, and, and what uh, he you know, what control he had over who could be cast in films, how films would be promoted um, what awards things might win because, you know, putting his stamp on something was very important. Um, it was, uh, you know, put women, um, and, and, and frankly, even, you know, uh, out, you know, people watching pe- people who were the victims of him. And I think people who might've even, um, uh, heard about things or, or maybe even witnessed things and a really terrible position of how do I speak up? Because it's hard when you don't have proof, um, for, for anybody to come forward. And, and so I think what's so important in addition to the on the record testimony, which more and more is coming out every day, which is fantastic was the fact that the New York times had, um, the settlements that, that Weinstein had paid. And when you see that it becomes in, in his own admission. I mean, he, he, he denies that he, um, had assaulted anyone, but he definitely admits to harassing people and making, um, you know, uh, maybe making overtures or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that they had those those settlements on the record, I think is so important. But I also think that this goes back to, you know, people like Ellen Powell and people like Susan Fowler being willing to speak up and talk about this because sunlight is the only way this sort of thing goes away. That is um, a really it, good point. That is vital context. I I do want to say about that though, and you know how can I put this? Something I I believed that before Gamergate, after it, I don't believe it. And speaking up does have a really, really intense cost. Yes, it um, does. I'm, I'm going to tell a story. There is a man in video games that has a reputation as a sexual assaulter. Um, he gets a lot of work. He goes on a lot of panels. He, he does a lot of stuff professionally. I have seen a woman come through, and even the safest place I can imagine, which is the women's whisper networks behind the scenes, a woman ask, like, try to warn other women about this. And I have seen women in turn go after the person speaking up, attack her reputation, attack her intentions, and just basically do what guys very frequently do. And that's in back channel. That is in, you know, a safe space for women to discuss industry stuff. 
And we all know just how much worse it is if you're speaking up publicly. You get called every name in the book. It, you, it defines your career. To this day, I am more known for the harassment I got than I am my engineering skills. So I've spent my entire life building up. And, you know, I, I definitely agree that sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I, you know, from my experience with Gamergate, I don't regret speaking up. But I do want to say the cost is really, really high. And oh, we yes. need to be realistic about that. You oh, know? Well, no, oh, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I'm not saying that, that the solution is that everyone has to speak up. I'm saying we need to be thankful for those women who are willing to oh, take absolutely. on. Now, yeah. That's all I'm saying, because you're dead on. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, what I also want to say to kind of add to that a lot of people are criticizing women for maybe not speaking up soon enough, which I think is terrible. Saying, yeah. well, you knew this was happening or you'd heard these rumors. Why didn't you do anything? Well, for the very reasons Bree said, the cost is extremely high. And I don't think that we should judge anyone who is, is especially women who are not in a position of power, um, you know, just, just uh, systemically uh, to have to say, especially when you're young and you, and you hear something, to put everything on the line especially if you don't have proof, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have yeah. the documentation. Because I, again, I, I think this is what makes this so vital is it's not just enough. I mean, having the on-the-record stories is amazing. But a lot of times what really gets these guys kicked out is having the proof. You know, in Susan mm-hmm. Fowler's case, she had the emails. She had the fact that she, uh, of the HR stuff, you know, and, 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 and it showed the systemic, uh, you know, just ignorance within Uber of, of them to not take things seriously with Roger Ailes. Um, it was, it was the revelation of, of how many settlements had been made. Bill O'Reilly settlements had been made, you know, 10 years ago, we knew about that and it didn't matter. He still kept his job, but because of what had happened with Ailes and with everything else kind of in the climate, more settlements came forward and he lost his job with, with Harvey Weinstein. I do think that maybe the high profile A-list actresses speaking out might've had uh, might've been enough to kind of push him out. But let's, I, but I also think that having those document, having that documentation that the New York times had is what ultimately made the board act as fast as it did. So you're, you're dead on Brie. It, it, it's, it's terrible. You know, uh, the, the cost for speaking up is so high. Um, but I do almost, but I do wonder, you know, this isn't beneficial to anybody who speaks up in the short term, of course, but I, my hope would be that the more people are willing to speak out and, and, and willing to make that, those, that, that huge sacrifice, because, you know, it is a huge sacrifice and they're, and, and, and are, are, are saying, I will go forward and talk about this. Uh, I think, um, the harder it will be hopefully for them to be, you know, stigmatized in the future. I, I don't know. It's hard. Cause one of the takeaways that you can't really avoid is that there's, a snowball effect of a lot of people speaking out or uh, all in this case, a lot of settlements that were collected and analyzed. And it's kind of unavoidable to think like the first person who sues him and then settles, like nothing's going to happen to make it better for years and years until there are more and more victims, which is like, if only we believed people and punished people for their horrible behavior when it first happened. Oh, well, but yeah, like that's a really hard, I think part of this is that it has to, it it always goes on for so long before something happens. Yeah. Um, I guess like, I'd love to pick apart another aspect of this for the news. So, 
Yeah, yesterday it was reported that on Tuesday he had uh, basically left the country to go to Europe for, uh, you know, um, treatment for sex addiction. I, I think and, now, I know, think now it's been said that he's in, uh, he's in Arizona is what DMC says. Oh, is he in Arizona? Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, uh, but you know, part of what I'm reading with that is, you know, it seems really unavoidable that, I mean, like, even as we're recording this, Kate Beckinsale has come yes. forward mm-hmm. and like the number of women with stories is just exploding. There is eventually going to be a lawsuit that is going to, like, I expect him eventually to go to jail about this because, like, the stories have come out in the New York Post. Yeah, this isn't sexual harassment. It's rape Absolutely. we're talking about if those if the allegations are true and a jury finds it to be true. Um, you know, there's definitely going to be settlements, and this person is going to be destroyed. What really upsets me, though, is, I mean, have both of you listened to the the tape of the Italian Audio. actress? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's in the New Yorker I, piece. I, it's terrible. It, it, I think if you're a guy, you may not be able to understand just how primal the terror it strikes listening to it. Because you can just imagine this giant dude, like, cornering you. And, like, the, the anger and danger in his voice is terrible. And what I can't get past is, uh, you know, the prosecutors in New York yep, they did not anything. prosecuting that yep. case. It's just, you know, you can have a woman that's arrested on the street for solicitation mm-hmm. and, you know, like there's no proof whatsoever about it other than an officer's word and she'll end up going to jail. You've got a guy on tape admitting to this and the police can't follow through. It's it's just an utter failure of law enforcement. Another thing that's come forward is NBC News's role in killing this story. And their late night comedians have not been tackling the story except right. in a very passive way. And when you add that to their decision to like bury the uh you know the Trump Access Hollywood piece mm-hmm. and to not release more of the audio involved there, this is a really troubling pattern. Yeah, I would agree. The only thing I 100% agree, the pattern is terrible. The only thing I would say is just to give the any of the news people the slight benefit of the doubt is people that I've talked to have indicated that the story as it existed um, a, a few months ago, um, when when I guess it was killed, so to speak, was not where it was now. So uh, Ronan Farrow, who wrote the article for The New Yorker, had the audio. And I think that I personally think that that, that alone should have been uh, newsworthy and that that would be indicative to do a story just on the audio. But that, you know, some of the sources, some of the stuff um, that was in the story wasn't wasn't in the final version. Now, to me, what that says is you don't kill it. That just says you need to get more. Um, but yeah. but so I, th- I think it's, it's there is more than fair to criticize NBC for not doing it. But I would say. Because there's been some criticism against the New York Times for for allegedly not running a story in 2004 um, about stuff. Sharon Waxman, who's now um, the editor in chief of of the Wrap, has said that that her story was killed, um, and that might be true. It might might be true that that the editor, you know, said, I, you know, I, I don't want to do this. But it also seems likely that there just might not have been enough there for the paper to to run it. Um, because at the time it seemed like a lot of the stuff was 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 uh, anonymous sourcing which which is difficult. So 
I mean, it's hard to run these stories. Again, I think that's why, like, I, I you know, the New York, uh, this was an interesting case and in that both the New York Times and the New Yorker were kind of competing against one another. And I think that their stories helped one another. I think that once the New York Times went out, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that Ronan Farrow was then able to reach out to some of his sources who had maybe previously not been on the record, and they were able to say, now I'm willing to, t- to talk to you on the record. And vice versa, yeah. I think that once, you know, Ronan Farrow's story went out, the New York Times was able to get more on record sources, and you've seen people come forward in other ways. So it's, it, it's difficult sometimes, depending on what how the organizations work, what what constitutes proof? But I think you're you're very fair in in in, in your critique of saying you know that that obviously the fact that that the, the the NBC had this story and for whatever reason it didn't run is troubling. I I'm more troubled by the fact that the the late night comedians, all of them, many of whom had you know made comments during award shows, you know, basically kind of talking about the fact that that Harvey Weinstein is gross, are are not speaking on this because. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like the guy's power is basically gone, you know, like he, he's been fired. Um, it's, it's going to be really hard for him to make a comeback. What are you protecting? Like what, 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 you know, it's not as if he still has a job and, and he's not going to let you book people for his movies or, or whatever, you know, it, that, that's not the case. It's like, are you that worried that, 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 um, Ben Affleck or Matt Damon aren't going to come on your show? It's like, those guys need you more than you need them. Just Gosh. make you know? Yeah, speaking of, of people who um, need to take some responsibility, freaking Ben Affleck's statement oh. about Harvey Weinstein, completely ignoring the fact that his brother has had the same same freaking accusations against him. Like, ugh, be better. Whatever, Batman. Yeah, it, it's it's his response is absolutely terrible. I mean, just just following up with what you're saying there, Christina, I you know, I'm not someone talking about this kind of reporting. Like it's theoretical to me. Like when I, my first really big investigative story that I did was finding out that the coaches at Old Miss were being paid um, millions of dollars to teach classes that didn't exist. <sighs> and I had editor kill that story repeatedly because oh, yeah. I, I had to keep going and getting evidence, keep going and getting evidence, keep going and getting evidence. But like, I think Ronan Farrow is very, very credible. So when oh, he's saying, you know, I had this, the story was ready to go, you know, they wouldn't produce it. Um, I, you know, as far as the New York Times criticism, I'm a little bit more inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt on that, impartially because like, the woman that was making those claims that her story was killed, you know, she was an editor at her own publication for many years and never ran that story herself. So to me, that, 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 takes a lot into account with NBC news. I just can't do it. Cause like, once you know the story behind the access Hollywood thing and how they killed that story, there's, there's clearly um, a pattern of not being willing to go forward with these stories. And I think it really, really hurts their journalistic credibility in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we talk about what we're doing this week? Uh, sure. Brianna, what are you doing? I'm going to go get some sleep after this. Yay. <laughs> until Add some hours to your four hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Yankees won the game last night, and I was up till like oh, three boy. listening to my husband babble about it. Oh, so, no. <laughs> this could I'm be so a huge sorry. political scandal at some point. If I had known, uh, I would have I gone and, and yeah. told them to just cut it out and stop winning games. Yeah. 
Sorry. Yeah, you should have done that. You should have done that. Um, Christina. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, go on. I'm repainting the Audi TT of doom. Oh, <laughs> so no, the poor car. I'm what are you, what are you painting it to? I'm still trying to get my airbags working. Uh, I'm turning it black to cover up Ooh. all the paint chips and errors <laughs> in it. Uh, Got it. I've completely stripped that car down, um, but oh my, my airbags still don't work. Oh, and it's no. been a year, so. Stop. Well, if airbags don't work, you can't drive it, can you? Uh, I mean, you can, but you're not registered to. for the time. It was registered for the time uh, for the two weeks the airbag light wasn't on. And then I tried to replace the ECU so my doors would lock again. And uh, it made the airbag light start going on again. So you should actually, is. the next thing you should do with that car is call a priest and just get into yeah. exercise, whatever is happening there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that, that, that this is my my, my um, cross synergy up, um, uh, I guess, a contribution to the show. You should start a Squarespace blog chronicling everything that you're doing, like, <laughs> the, the, the LTT journey. I'm not even joking. I the do LTT want the biography do. of yeah. like all of your vehicles because I can't keep track of them. And then you should hire an assistant with magic to get that's true. The parts for you. I was actually thinking about that because I need help like repainting it. I'm like, would they come out and help me hold the HPLV hose? <laughs> no, that that's not appropriate. I bet they would hold the hose. <laughs> Christina, what are you doing? Uh, so I'm recovering from a root canal. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, you that's are. That's first and foremost. I'm going to play with the, my mini Super Nintendos. And um, I've, um, I'm just kind of still ramping up learning some stuff uh, with work. Um, I'm learning a whole lot about Azure, and, and uh, that's been <gasps> fun. And I'm Ooh. shooting some um, my my uh, my weekly show this week on Channel Nine today, and uh, nice. yeah, so your poor root canal face, my uh, totally. That's I'm also I'm shooting uh, our first Twitter live stream for the Polygon show today, Yay! so that will be fun. I'm very excited. Um, so proud of you. What? Oh, thank you, thank you. That's yeah. so nice. Uh, and I'm also doing that uh, intro. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm doing another one of those like long form documentary videos. Uh, this one about Dragon's Lair. And I would love nice. to do one about Halcyon because I learned so much about that that thing today or not today. Wow. Over the last month or so. And that that stuff is wild. Um, like the first voice controlled console that was kind of sad oh yeah 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 that then went so, bankrupt uh it was uh-huh. so weird so weird um if I'll, I'll talk more about that another day when we're not at the end of the show but yeah that's <laughs> what i'm up to this week uh and you can find me online at on twitter at doom quasar and at youtube.com slash polygon christina what about you Miss Channel 9. Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, channel9.msdn.com. We need a better URL uh, my, for my uh, Microsoft videos, but you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, et cetera. Heck yeah. Brianna, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Space Cat Gal at Twitter. Nice. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Rocket. If you liked it, tell a friend about it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that is how... Everyone bonds over the things that they enjoy. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>